Hey, everybody, welcome into the Raw Knuckles podcast. We'd really appreciate it if you'd like, subscribe, and share with a friend. Yeah, I want to know if you're going to tell the real story of this. No, no, no. What, what when I <laughs> ran you? Okay, I yeah. ran you. Yeah. So, like, welcome to the NHL, kid. <laughs> yeah. When I stepped on the ice, I never backed down and I never stayed down. And I was vicious and I was malicious. And I don't care. I'm alive. He's a freaking madman. Look at him going to town. That'll be a suspension. That'll be a fine. Alive, I'm alive, I'm alive. All right, hey, welcome uh, to the Raw Knuckles podcast. Good to have you, Luds. Good to see you. It's been a while. Had you a few times on my radio show talking a little hockey, Dallas Stars, the Habs, all that. I want to. Uh, well, introduce you to Tim. Say hi to Tim Stapleton. Hey, Tim. What's going on? How you doing? Tim, I saw you played for uh, the Green Bay Gamblers, so you oh, yeah. spent a little time in Wisconsin, huh? Wisconsin. I played at Duluth four years. Yeah. So, I, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got a Did few. you have, uh, you didn't have Ozzy for a coach, did you? Yeah. Yeah. Did you really? He was a psycho in juniors. Yeah, and then I yeah, saw he's... him in college. He's like, just call me. He was like my best friend. No. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He's a good You guy. know him pretty well? Yeah, I know Oz well. Um, I haven't seen him in a, in a while, but I, you know, he he's a, he's a good dude. I, I like him. Great. <laughs> now he, I see, he is. I, now I see he's still at Wisconsin, right? He's still coaching yet yeah. this coming year. Yeah, yeah. He, he's yeah. like their social media dude. Like he's got fucking social media all the time about Wisconsin this and that, and so he's earning his paycheck apparently. For sure. No, he was awesome. I he was a great coach for me, and I had him yeah, yeah in juniors. So. Yeah. Cool. So All right, Knox. Uh, away we go. Yeah, yeah, away we go is right. Uh, Eagle River, uh, Wisconsin. Uh, the, the 2010 census says there were 1,398 human beings living in Eagle River, Wisconsin. Like growing up in a small town like that, how the hell did they ever start a hockey program? Knox, that fucking sign right. hasn't changed since 62. Since I was <laughs> okay. born. So right. I, I don't know if they're trying to keep it under wraps, but you know, that Eagle river goes from 1200 or 13, whatever you said it was to about 25 to 30,000 in the summer, Uh big resort area. Um, we have a chain of 28 lakes. They call it the largest freshwater chain in the world, which I don't believe it because they have little channels that go from one lake to the other lake and they call that Lynx Lake and then they call the next one Voyager. So somehow they got their name in the record books. But uh, from the standpoint of hockey, you know, we were that that small town that you played this, which I think that all kids should do and they don't do it anymore because they're on the ice 11 months a year and they've turned this into a job for, you know, 14 to 15 year olds. But, um, you know, it was baseball, football, hockey and track. And, um, we had enough players that and fishing out- and fishing <clears throat> and fish. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And fish- <laughs> as a matter of fact, getting off, off that path. Um, my grandpa was one of the big dogs in Northern Wisconsin and muskie walleye, perch bass, all that kind of stuff. Um, and being is, uh, I guess in demand as he was, I mean, he, he, he was a guide every day of, I mean, literally every single day I've sat there and watched him pull fishing hooks out of his nose and you know from people that are sitting in the boat that are hooking him they're not the only thing they're catching is my grandpa but um but but it did it had its benefits because um i got to fish with hank aaron bart star um you know those kind of guys and uh they would come up and so i'd always get to go along for those and right i i wish so. i knew that luds like here i am like i always fish in the ocean right i love fishing <clears throat> And now that I live in the Lake of Two Mountains here, musky fishing, walleye, mm-hmm. all that stuff, and I've never fished fresher water, and I'm just kind of, I've kind of learned it in the last couple, past couple of years, and I've had some success, but um, it's awesome. I love musky fishing. I wish I knew, because when I was up there, I would have went musky fishing, but I it's was awful. too busy. I think it's I was too. You, you hate it. I hate it because it's boring. I couldn't even cast. I've done it once and I was like fucking. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, it's book. all day and you all, I mean, you can come home and everybody's got a heart on to say, oh man, I had four follows today. Well, big deal, <laughs> you know? And so, and like I said, I got spoiled because he would take us and, and, and my kids and, 
and things like that when they get older. But but he would take us to where you'd literally be changing the hook and the hook is hanging over the boat and a fish would jump up and bite it. So it was one, and that's not no word of a lie. It, it would bite a bare hook, but those are the kind of lakes that we would go to. You know, he knew where to, the crappie and the perch and walleye were. And so, so when it got into the musky fishing, it was like, no man, because uh, all day long we're, we're taking fish off and here you're, Everybody, like I said, everybody's going crazy over, you know, look at this one uh, and Northerns. You know, we have Northerns up there, but you can't eat them. They're, you know, all full of bones. No. But um, yeah, I know I've, I've seen some stuff for you fishing nuts. So um, yeah. good. Pa- and I don't even fish anymore. I live on the lake here and I think I got fish. I got used to catching fish. I fish now, but I go to Kroger and Albertsons. That's where I fish in the in the fish yeah. market. So I don't have well, to clean them or anything. Good stuff. Well, let, let's uh, get back to the hockey in Eagle River. Like, you know, I remember you came that first year in Montreal, and, it, you know, I just knew you're American. I'm there. Great. We have another American on our team. He's coming in. But that, how did you get discovered? Because here you are, Northland Pines High School in Eagle River. Uh, you play there. Uh, and then who discovered you with USA Hockey, where you went over and played with the national junior team uh, in Germany in 79-80? I, I never knew that part of the story. No, no one did. Um, <laughs> right. I, no, honestly, nobody discovered me. I mean, I had, you know, my going coming out of my junior year, I, I had some letters that came from D3 schools, all, you know, obviously as local as Wisconsin can be around you. And, um, and it's a, it's a really wild story. It's not much to it, but um, I was at my coach's house that coached my, my high school team, my last year, uh, my last year, I believe it was. And his, his son was my best friend at the time. Anyway, we're over there and we were watching, um, uh, NCAA, the final four, it was championship game. It was Minnesota versus North Dakota. And sometime in the second period, my parents were there, friends were there, you know, again, just watching the game. I turned around and I looked at Jack, the Jack junior, my buddy. And I said, whoever loses this game, that's where I'm going to go try out. And Minnesota won that, that year. It's what was that? 78, 79, I believe it was, or seven. Yeah. 78, 79. And, um, the, everybody kind of looked at me like, what are you talking about? Like I, and, and I said, I don't, I don't know. I have, I can honestly tell you, I don't know where it came from. And I said that. And fortunately my high school coach, Jack Stoskoff senior had gone to North Dakota. And so he, called up Gino Gasparini, who was the head coach at the time, got me a tryout and I drove there on my own. Um, I had no place to stay. I didn't, nobody knew anything about me besides the coach saying, you know, some kid from Wisconsin is going to come try out for the team. I, I ended up not getting a place to live. I didn't have a place to live. And there were six other guys in the housing office that didn't have a place to live, had no idea who they were. And ultimately the seven of us ended up moving into a big house and we lived together and I, I went and tried out. Um, I went on one visit to, well, Tim, you'd know the university of Wisconsin superior. And I don't know yep. if you remember that, but I went there and yeah, a guy yeah. by the name of Gary Harker was the coach at the time. I went with my best friend, Jack, we had a visit with him. We were at a big boys restaurant and he made a comment and it, and it was a, um, it was known for industrial arts, which I learned that when I got to North Dakota, what that actually meant. I, you know, I took all shop and woods and, you know, automac and things like that. And he had made a comment. He goes, you know, it's a great school. I understand you like industrial arts. I'm not sure you can make our team, but man, what a great school. So I kicked Jack underneath the table and Harker looked around and something. I said, Jack, let's get the fuck out of here. And we left. And then I made the decision to go to North Dakota. And, and that's what happened. Um, and, uh, you know, fortunately found a way to, to make the team. It was really Rick Wilson. And I'll tell you what, I had Rick Wilson as a coach here in, you know, Minnesota, in yeah. North Dakota, in, in Dallas. And I had a story from his wife about a month ago or a couple months ago now when Zubi, when Zubov came in for his Jersey deal and Carol, his wife was telling me, cause you know, your first year and she was a skating instructor. Um, and she said, I, I went home one night and what, who's that blonde haired kid that's out there. She goes, how is he ever going to make this team? He can't skate. He can't do this. And, and she told me, he, he she said, Luds, Rick told me you wait and see, he's going to play pro hockey someday. And, and I never knew that story. Um, so, that, something he saw apparently so he saw that in you and here's the deal you weren't fucking eric hyden we know that yeah and um, actually he stayed but- at my house by the way <laughs> eric did yep, Fish- yep. took him fishing <laughs> no, no no it was a skating thing that we were doing back and forth but anyway so you go there and you walk on you make the team 
And um, did you have the shin pads right away? The 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 yep. with the wings to block. Yeah, well, no, they weren't wings at the time. I got used equipment when we got to North Dakota. I got used shin pads and used elbow pads and used um, shoulder pads. And and that was those were shin pads. I I still I wore them my whole career. And that whole thing with the shin pads. Long story short, is they kept cracking. And the only way, and I would not get new pads. And so I asked her trainer, Smitty, if he could find a way to replace the cracks or cover them up. He took that plaster, you know, that we used to dip in the hot water for your yeah. broken hand. Yeah. So they put that over the cracks and they riveted on there. And then when it cooled, it expanded. And that's how those, those shin pads got so wide. And trust me, they weren't, they weren't easy to skate with because, you, you know, you'd click together and the tape would come yeah. off and they'd be sitting sideways sometimes. And so that's ultimately why, because slats one year, um, Glenn Sather in Edmonton, after we had beaten Edmonton in first round or something like that, Ganey came in, in the, uh, a few months later and said, here, I want you to read this letter. Glenn Sather had uh, handed some kind of a rule change or petition uh, into the NHL that slats wanted a um, – he wanted a, a measurements for for player shin pads, just kind of like goalie pads. He wa- he yeah. wanted he was he was upset about that. So uh, that is my story. One of the kids even wanted to wear them. One of my kids yeah. wanted to wear my shin pads when I was done. <laughs> <laughs> no, not happening. So Stapes, Stapes, Luds comes in. He comes to camp. All right. So you get out of college. You come to the Habs <clears throat> in '82, and I remember you come in and I introduced myself and said hi. Yeah, I want to know if you're going to tell the real story of this. No, no, no. What, what, when I <laughs> right. ran you? Okay, I yeah. ran you. Yeah. So, like, welcome to the NHL, kid. <laughs> yeah. But I'm telling you, Stapes, I, I said, I, you know, I'm going to welcome him, but I'm going to let him know here you are. This is physical. It's going to be tough. It's tough brand of hockey. This ain't college. And anyway, so I run LUDs, and I'm telling you right now, I'm like, fuck, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> I couldn't move him. I, it was like, like I ran into a freight train. I mean, yeah, Jesus. I said, okay, I'm just going to let him do his thing and have some fun. But right, Luds? Yeah, no. no you, you tell the story. That's not necessarily how <laughs> yeah, the story the actually story. went, Nux. That, that, there's a, that... Luds tried to fight you, and you skated away. That's the yeah, yeah. I, no, it's just, hey, Timmy, it's I just, got the, a, uh, she just show. the opposite. <laughs> yeah. He's not, he, this is the after uh thing when when i don't remember what you're talking about but the very first time and nux is like yeah I'm a, you know there's not many americans on this team and all this kind of stuff us americans stick together and this was at the time when we had what 10 days for training camp or something like not not these two three days we play your first game so you actually go there to get in shape and so we have our first uh inner squad game and nux is on one side i'm on the other side and and right away he comes over and he just runs me and he's got me laid out and he's re- he's just he's throwing them at me and I just grabbed him I pulled him in and I said I thought you said I thought you said the Americans stick together and he just said not out here we don't and now that, that was it and I'm like okay well I, I got it now I said we're all we're all in this to to make this club and so yeah that was a it was an interesting time and then ultimately next you got me into what was it called the Lexus Neon or whatever the building we lived in right next to the yeah. uh, no twenty twenty one. 2021. 20, well, yeah. well, we can yeah. give up and then Alexis now. Neal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was in the same apartment building, which uh-huh. you can all probably guess that didn't always turn out well. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when his wife kicked him out, there was always a bang on my door, and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh. And then Ganey would always pop over too. I, I remember the very first time Bob had a few pops. I think, and about one o'clock in the morning, there was a bang on my door, and Bo came knocking on the door, and he goes, "I need a place to sleep." And I'm like, yeah. oh, no, I ran right in and told my my wife at the time. And I said, you ain't going to believe this, but the captain of the Montreal Canadiens has crashed out <laughs> on our coach. And he was up and gone and looking like, you know, 100 bucks the next morning. That's so, amazing. Yeah. Uh, you know, that first training camp, How the, the adjustment for you, like from college to the NHL and coming to Montreal and, you know, playing in growing up in Eagle River and then off to college and now you're in Montreal. What for you was that like coming to the big city? Cause you weren't a big city guy. I mean, no. what uh-huh. was that like for you? And, and, and then the French language, yeah. how difficult it, was that yeah. for you at the beginning? It, it, it was all, it was all difficult, but, but again, you know, you kind of held my hand through a lot of that, you know, and the guys were great. I mean, I couldn't believe, and, and to be completely honest, like growing up, I didn't even watch hockey. I mean, we, we would get, um, on Sundays, you would get a Chicago Blackhawk game if you were lucky. And so uh, that was my extent in hockey. I never watched pro hockey. I, I really never even thought about playing it. It was more football for me. And, and so 
um, it was just the ride. And, and I went there with the intentions of going to the minors. That's where I was going. And I knew I was going there. And, um, you know, and it just kind of, you know, I remember driving from Wisconsin to Montreal for obviously my first training camp. And um, I was on Highway 2 and I was somewhere close to Sudbury, I think it was. And I heard the announcement that Roddy got traded, Brian got traded, I think it was Jarvie yeah. and Locker. Yeah. And, and I got out of my car and I have no idea because I had no even reason to think that I could make a professional team in my, you know, in three years, much less your first year. Um, I, I got out of my car and I just, I just stood there like they just traded two defensemen away. And that's what yeah. my thought was. And one of them, obviously, in, in Langway and, and Brian also. I mean, they're two two really, really good defensemen, you know, in their prime at the time. So, you know, then you get to Montreal, that stuff happens. The language thing was um, I tried to learn. I think I learned more at Shears and, and, yeah. and Shea. You know, you, you pick up the little <laughs> – you'd pick up the bar lingo. And so you knew enough. Yeah. And what I did learn, and I, somebody did tell me, you know, when you go into a grocery store, just try, try to say, you know, milk lay, I think it is, but whatever it was, yeah. but just try to speak the language. And all of a sudden there was like a 180. They at least knew that you were trying to help. And, and so, yeah. um, you know, and man, I, I didn't go to a lot of groceries. It was their little day or whatever, a little yeah. next to the, the greasy dap. spoon, I think it was. Go yeah. To the dap, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> you know, but, but again, I was where I lived, there was nothing to do except go to the rink the next day and then maybe pop to this place to this place and go home and, and repeat. And that's kind of the way it works. So the language thing, you know, what was very cool is like in the locker room. And even though there was only a couple of us that didn't know anything, you knew some French at that time. Yeah. But the guys would always say something, but they'd make sure they'd say it in English after that because they had enough respect for their teammate or mates or whatever it may be that a couple of them are, you know, young kids. They have no idea what you're talking about, and they would repeat it, you know, in their, in, in English. Yeah, and it's funny. You know, you're not thinking you'll make the team. And the guys who honestly blame. Yeah, Nux, picks, Nux getting drafted and picking up the GM and the coach and telling them he's going to make the team. It's complete opposite. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, amazing. The guys blazed the way for you before that and me as far as Americans. And uh, the two guys, honestly, Montreal always looked for American college defensemen after they got Nyrop and after they got Langway. Mm -hmm. And you, you saw it, right? You, Shelley, they, they started drafting a lot. Curvy, they started drafting a lot of U.S. defensemen out of college. They really... But, uh, someone was onto that, and and it was certainly a good thing at the time because we got so many good D men from U.S. college. Uh, yeah, it, I think it's it incredible. I really think the reason was that because of the coaching, and I think what they felt is they they trusted. Uh, and they knew that the coaches at the college level continued to get better and they were getting them more prepared to play at the next level. And they didn't have to, because now it's kind of trickled down. And Tim, you know, this being younger is like things trickle down. I mean, you don't see a lot of kids at 17, 18 years old go to college and make a team like they'll go play junior, you know, whether they play in the USHL, the North American League or whatever it is. And they want them ready to be able to plug them in. And, and so when they come to, you go to North Dakota, I remember my first year at North Dakota and I was like, what is, that's a freshman over there. He's got a full beard, but I didn't yeah, know yeah. that these Everywhere, guys were yeah. all coming from, you know, BC and they were 21 years old. And so, yep. and so I think that's the way it's kind of gone with the, the college coaching um, because they know they come from the juniors and then they go to college. If they do um, they're ready, they're, they're prepared to step in and play. And I think that's just, it's a, it's a testament to, to the coaches that are at the college level and at the junior level that they're, they're being able to prepare them better to come in and they don't have to do the work and we don't have to send them to our minor league team for two years. They're ready to come in and maybe we got to send them there for a year or four or five months just to catch up to the, you know, the, the NHL level or the pro level. But besides that, I, I think that has a lot to do with it. Who was your coach in North Dakota? I had Gino was Gasparini. I had oh, Gino yeah, yeah. and Rick okay. Wilson uh, were there. When like did Blaze cut? When was Blaze there? Dean Bla Dino came in. Dino came in. I think it was. I, I was only there <laughs> technically two and a half years, but but I was only there. We had won the nationals my first year, my third year, my first year when I was there. It was Rick Wilson. Uh, Dino came in. I think after that. And okay. you know it's funny because when it was all when when we had won the national championship, it was in RPI. I still can't say what what that is, but um, <laughs> they, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. <laughs> like I said, at RPI, the <laughs> nerd. I remember Gino walking in. And he says, "Hey, come out here." And I, he goes, "Listen, 
Um, or no, sorry, this was right after that. Cause I was working at a hockey camp like a month later in North Dakota and Gino caught me on the street and he says, Hey, come on into my office. And I'm thinking, Jesus, what did I do last night that I got caught or something like that? And I'm, you know, you're working with a bunch of kids and he goes, I just want to let you know you've been drafted. I said, Oh, okay. And I said, all right, thanks. And I got up to, he turned, he stopped me. He goes, well, don't you not want to know by who? Oh, I said, Oh yeah, who? And he goes, Montreal. And I said, Oh, okay. And I walked out and he goes, hang on a second. And and he said, "What?" I said, "I'm never going to play pro hockey." And that was kind yeah, of like, "Who's thought. their minor league team? Who's their minor like that's your oh asking. Jesus? What, what, was it Nova Scotia? Then <laughs> yeah. was it? I yeah. think it was Nova Scotia. And as a matter of fact, yeah. we went there my very last preseason game that my first year. We played a game in a preseason game against somebody in Nova Scotia, and I thought, oh, I know why I'm making this trip. I might as well just pack my stuff because they're going to tell me to stay here. We don't got to fly you back here. You don't have to drive. <laughs> so I'll. But yeah, I you know. But again, I was prepared for that. I, I was ready to go. And, and uh, you know, I just figured I thought, you know what, I could play three, four, five years in the minors and I could go home to the, the big city of Eagle River and I'll be this big dog there. And, you know, I'm making 30,000 Canadian, which is about, you know, I don't yeah, know 150 ooh. bucks. Yeah. So <laughs> but, you know, again, I just remember you remember noobs, right? Knox, you remember John Newberry and. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, well, the year coming into Montreal for training camp was the big brawl between North Dakota and Wisconsin. And noobs, I had a little piece of him on the bench. And then what did they see, do? I didn't know any of that. I didn't know about that. Oh, yeah. Wisconsin. There was a, yeah. There, see, there, this whole coming into the NHL, I, I just felt that North Dakota, we had a we had a tough team. And no, there wasn't it. it you know, it's nowhere near what the minors would be. But it was physical. I mean, it was a step up for me, obviously, going from high school. Um and we had a lot of fights and, and there was obviously a rivalry between Wisconsin. So we had this big brawl. When you say if, fights, like, like then you got suspended in college for fighting. Yeah. A game not, or two, as, right? not like you do now. Not like you do now. Yeah. They, they would, they would give you a little leniency. You know what I mean? If it was, if it was, I had one fight in college, I got suspended for two games. Yeah, but you probably, I'm sure you eye gouged yeah. somebody and you bit his yeah, ear you off. Threatened the guy, you threatened the family. One yeah, punch, yeah, one punch. It was over. <laughs> Oh, well, uh, anyway, you, <laughs> you know, that, but that fight, um, and then we get to camp in Montreal and they put Newberry and I in the room together. And I thought, well, this uh -huh. is by design uh -huh. and all uh -huh. as I heard every day, and this is nothing against Newberry, but let's don't worry about it. You're not going to be down there long. You're only gonna be down there for three, four months and you'll be back up with us and all this other stuff. And then come the very last day that Nova Scotia game. And I, you know, next day we get to the rink and guess who was headed to Nova Scotia and it wasn't me. And, and I, just, it was well, noobs. that's kind of what you get, you know? And so anyway, but, but there, I, I gotta say there, there is a big difference between, uh, you know, playing in college and then going to pro. I mean, everything is different. And so many good players. I played with some great players at North Dakota. We won two national championships there in the three years that I was there. And, you know, Dougie Smale and Phil Sykes and guys like this. That, I mean, they were they were great. Mark Mark Taylor. I mean, so many of these guys are good players, and they really didn't last long in the NHL. And, you know, so it, it was, it's just a different game. And until you get there, you don't really know. And everybody can tell you, but until you actually experience it, that, well, that's when you know. And you talk about the fighting at college and playing on a physical team, and it, it certainly prepped you for the Adams division at the time because Montreal yeah. and Boston, and you know, and you learn yeah. pretty quick what that rivalry was all about. And honestly, to have you there, and not that you fought all the time, but, boy, knowing that you could and knowing that you could go out there and play physical and play tough and play hard hockey was such a – uh, it's such a positive thing for our team because you know what it was like in there. Go, going into Boston Garden was like, man, a Philly, but Boston for us, I mean, that was, that, that was everything. And those games were crazy. And, crazy. and you know, and, and my thing was, is, you know, the coaches, whoever it was at the time, it seems like I had, I don't know how many pudding head. We had. Well, pudding head, pudding before head, him was uh, Bob Barry <laughs> and you know, this kind of yeah. stuff, but it was like, Okay, you go into Boston. He goes, "You're going to be playing against Neely," and I'm like, "Who's Neely?" Like at the time, yeah. I don't know who the hell Neely is. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden, you become part of the advertisement and the boards. You're like, "Oh, this is who Neely is," you know. And so, yeah. you know, and so we had a, I think we had a mutual respect for each other. Cam, I mean, he's obviously 
is and was a great player and does a great job in Boston now. Um, but that was, that was, I'm assuming that would be similar next to you going in and having to know that you're going, you know, Dave Brown is there tomorrow night. So you, yeah. you guys kind of know, I mean, you know, overnight, but for me, it was like, Jesus, this guy's going to run me through the end of the rink and they want me to play like this against them. And so you have to do what you got to do. But, um, but I mean, I think we had a mutual respect because there are sometimes he would look at me after we kind of run into each other and he may be the one going down and like, Hey, good job kid yeah. you know what i mean like like that and so i i love players like that um they don't change their game but they respect the people that they're playing against them give them the kudos when they deserve it what well, go go back that 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 brawl with wisconsin was that like did you play against osiki in college oh yeah or was he yeah him and like rollick and yep well so, the, funny, who, <laughs> the funny thing is with that whole wisconsin thing um, I had part of Bob Johnson in one arm too. So I had Badger Bob, I had Newberry, uh, Kerry Eads uh, for us kind of started that whole thing. Well, that next summer I get recruited, um, or sorry, prior to that, I got recruited by Wisconsin. And so Bob drove to Bob Johnson, drove to Eagle River, met with my parents and, you know, and everybody hears about it. You know, this kid's going to go play for the university of Wisconsin, blah, blah, blah. And about two weeks later, I get a call from him. And Mr. Ludway, I said, hey, coach, what's going on? He goes, uh, how you doing? I said, good. And he goes, uh, we have a bit of a problem. And I'm like, and again, I'm like, what the hell? How could they find out what I did this weekend in Eagle River that got me into trouble in Madison, Wisconsin? And he goes, well, he said, son, were you aware that we have a, a grade point average here in order to play? I said, no. And he goes, yeah, it's 2.5. And I said, oh, OK. And he goes, you're not even close. And I, I said, <laughs> OK. <laughs> and he goes, I'm so sorry. And, and then, and that probably had a little bit to do with, uh, going and trying out at North Dakota. Cause there was, theirs was 2.0 and, you know, at the time in a wow, little podunk town, I, what's a, a, a student athlete, you're giving us a bad name. I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, and that's why all three of my kids, my twins and CJ, all of them, every semester, whatever it's called, all had honors every year and all graduated. And I, I told them, I looked at them and I said, I don't even Where want to know. Where did that come from? Yeah, I, I don't want to know. <laughs> I do not want to know. Don't care. So uh, anyway, so yeah, there's a there's a bunch of things that, you know, have happened to me and it all just seemed to kind of fall into place or work out for some reason. And you never played in the minors. I did not. I, I was oh, very well, fortunate. See, I would think I was, I would always, I was similar. I didn't have nearly the career yet, but I would be like, I'm getting sent to the minors. And then like two days later, I would. <laughs> well, they, you know, I, I like did the, my time in the minors, though. As soon as I was done, I uh, retired after we won the cup. Ganey calls me up in the – actually, it was in, like, January, and I was out snowmobiling with my friends, and, you know, we were – it was about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and there were about eight of us out there, and he calls me, and I made the mistake answering the phone, and I end up saying, shut up, you know, this is Bob Ganey on the phone. So I, I go walk outside, put my leathers on the bottoms, and I didn't have a jacket. I thought it was going to be a short conversation. didn't know what it was. Anyway, stood out there for 20 minutes and talked, and – and he, um, he won, he, and Bob is a very, I mean, he's methodical. I mean, he thinks ahead before he says things and oh, he goes, oh, well, I have, a, yeah, you know that Nux. He, he says, I have a plan B, but I got to put, uh, no, he said, I had a plan A. I got to put a plan B in place before I pull the trigger on plan A. And I'm like, and I have no idea where this guy's going to this thing. Well, he wanted me to go there and coach. He goes, I'm going to let the guys go. And I'd like you to go to Kalamazoo. And, and I thought, oh, man, I just got done and I'm doing this and that. And I said, can I call you back? And I did. So I called him a couple weeks later and I said, yeah, I said, I'll, I'll do that. And which was great. I'm glad I did it. And but then he says to me, uh, you know, when you get there, we got uh, there's there's about uh, eight or nine days with no no games. And I said, yeah. And I was thinking, well, that's great. And, and now we can kind of implement some of the things we were doing in Dallas and, you know, help them, you know, get ready for this and stuff. And he goes, take your equipment with you. I'm like, huh? He goes, take your equipment with you. And I'm like, why, why would I take, I'm taking my skates and my gloves and, you know, and you guys are supplying sticks, right? And he goes, no, 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 I want you to take all your stuff. I said, why would I take my stuff with you? With me. And ultimately he said, I want you to come back. I said, come back where? He goes, I want you to come back to Dallas and play. I'm thinking, what? And, and they, Dallas had a pretty good team. That was the year Eddie stood on his head. And I'm like, oh man. And so I, I said, man, I can have some time to think about it. Ultimately I said, no way. And the re the main reason I said no is I wasn't doing anything, obviously, after you retired the year before. And I said, now you're coming back in midseason when the guys are in midseason shape. I was just 40, I think it was. And my kids were just entering high school, my twins. And I'm thinking, and I said, Bob, I said, man, I, I don't care, you know, 
how people are going to laugh at me when I get smoked by some guy, but I don't want my kids having to go to school tomorrow and to go, man, did your dad get smoked last night? And so ultimately I, I didn't. Then, then they end up going to the finals and I was actually sitting in Calumas well, watching all that. Well, uh, Lundy, um, uh, let's start before we get to the Dallas part of it. Let's talk about that uh, Montreal years. And obviously you, you, you made a name for yourself. Uh, you certainly were a big part of, uh, our team, especially that Adams division, your toughness on the back end was uh, like unmatched a lot of nights and much needed. But we win the Stanley Cup, certainly 86. What, what a awesome feeling that must. I, I mean, I know what it felt like, but for you, like, you know, what was it like for you, in Montreal? Just explain, I guess, to the listeners the 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 feeling and what it's like to win a Stanley Cup in Montreal. It's incredible. It's, no? I didn't know how important it was to Montreal, to be honest with you. After playing, I mean, you know hockey's important there, but I, I didn't understand the significance of what the fans think about winning that trophy until we got to the day of the parade. And I was like, oh. you are <laughs> kidding me. And people were throwing ropes up in the crotches of the lights up there, and they're sitting in the crotches of the street lights, and their buddies are trying to toss them up bottles of beer and and it was and and for us to to be in that parade and take i don't know how many hours it took us eight hours or six or whatever that thing was it, done it took us eight about eight hours to go about yeah six and miles. the cars were pretty much trashed by the time you got there and yeah. and i had the i had the honor of being in the car with with greenie with rick green which is a treat as you know <laughs> and all i yeah. know is they were going you're going so slow that after eight hours of drinking and you know doing all the things you, you could oh. you could get out of the car you could run you'd see the shea or super sex or some club that you probably visited. all the girls you, had the titties out the there, window right you can take a piss you can have a drink <laughs> and come back out and the car is only about 100 feet ahead of you <laughs> i got back to the forum and i had 19 bottles of dom perignon in the, on the floorboards of the car and oh. i just said to greener i said hey Tim. uh you uh you go nope they're all yours go ahead so that a million, a million wow. people, there was yeah. a million people at this parade. It, it was it, it's crazy. I mean, it, I don't know if you can win it in a better place. I, I don't know obviously what Toronto would be like. And you think of all those kind of cities, but, um, that's when, when you ask about that, that's when I was on my way back and what I did on my way back and, and from Donnie Cape, you know, Larry Robinson's buddy there, I had bought a, a black vet. Uh, it was an L80, I think it was a 83, 82, whatever. But anyway, uh, and I took that Montreal Canadiens bag and I put it in the passenger seat and I made it to Wisconsin in 13 and a half hours or four, just under 14 hours. I got stopped twice, but I drove all the way through Canada, right? All the way across top. And then you kind of cut down when you get to Michigan, I got stopped twice and I made sure, and I just kind of pulled that big bag over with the CH on it. And and I remember both cops said, Oh, you, <laughs> and I said, yeah. And, oh, okay. You know, go ahead. You're on your way. You know? So then I started learning about the perks, you know? And, uh, but, but until yeah. that day, um, and driving home and, and trying to describe what the parade was like, um, you know, my parents weren't there or anything like that. Cause I, I think it was all a shock yeah. to, to me and everybody that I was even, you know, playing and in it. But that was the day that I, I really understood how important it is to, to those people in Montreal. Yeah, it was, it was incredible, Tim. You just, yeah. did you get like what a day a, with the a, cup and did you bring it back at the Eagle River? Or? Not in Montreal. Not I did in Dallas. <clears throat> yeah, that, they didn't. I don't think that policy came in until a couple of years later. Okay. Didn't, yeah. And are you so, the only? Yeah. Are you the only uh, NHLer out of Eagle River? I, I think so. Uh, well, out of Eagle River, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's an accomplishment just to get out of Eagle River, regardless <laughs> if you're a plumber or yeah. you cut hair. Um, but but yeah, I think I am. Or you know, fish. and that's why I was I was pulling this to especially you know with with Pavelski and, and with Joe yep. and Joe's from Point as you know, and that's only an hour and a half for Ashley's from Plover, but. Um, pulling for that because I thought, oh man, we could have another, you know, Stanley Cup party here. So, uh, no, I think the, you know, the only other guys that I know of, I mean, everybody's always, you know, whether they were born there or not, there's not many, but the, the Johnsons, obviously, you know, uh, those guys are, are from Wisconsin. And um, Chelly always, every once in a while, claimed he was, but he didn't. He just, he just <laughs> tore up the University of Wisconsin. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's uh, amazing. So, Ludzie, uh, looking back and you look back over your career winning that Stanley cup, Montreal, you won one in Dallas, which awesome. You, you play with some awesome guys there. And I, I obviously see Bob bringing Cabo there, brought you there. Right. Um, and, and he knew 
how important that would be to that team and 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 getting to another Stanley Cup final. But when you look back over the, your whole career and the coaches you had, which coach did you like the most, and which one could you have done without? I, I I'd have to say professionally, um, Bernsey. Uh, I, I think Pat was Pat. Pat got it. You know, he he got. He yeah. just understood the players. I, I don't know if he was the greatest of of coaches. I wouldn't even know what what a great coach was at the time. Um, but he understood understood personalities, and he knew how to treat uh, the players how they should be, how they shouldn't. I I mean, I remember one time, and uh, Bernsey called me into the office, and and it was uh, I think it was a playoff. I got called in there twice by him, and and once was with Peter Sabota. You can imagine then what that one was about, but. Yeah, Peckerhead. Oh, exactly. I was hoping you're going to bring that up, yeah. but I got called in there one time, uh, and we were. It was before the game. We had our meetings already, and he, he kind of stuck his head in, and he goes, "Let's come here." And I walked into his room, and his computer was up, or the TV, or whatever we call it at the time. And because I want you to see something, I'm like, I'm kind of thinking to myself, "Man, this would be a shitty time to show me a bad play from the the game before." You know, like why would you do it now instead of yesterday after the game? And he goes, "Come over here," and it's him skiing. And, and he's like, because he knew I had a water ski school back in Wisconsin. Oh, you love to water ski, huh? Well, here, look at this. Watch me. And so he had that kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> but but he, the thing about Bernsey was, and now later on, I appreciate it. And there's things that have, you know, we we go places, we do things with different teams, and they ask you their, your opinions. How would you handle this, and how would you handle that? I learned a lot from him because you know, being being a police officer for a long time, one thing he had is he had connections all over that city. And, you know, one night, yeah. you know, we were out and, and Peter, Peter and I, and that's when he called Peter and I in there and he sat us both down and we were kind of like, well, what the hell is this all about? And, and he wanted to know where we were. And, um, you know, I learned by then you can't, you're not, he's going to know. And I just said, well, you know where we were, coach, we were at the Shea. And he goes, yeah. And he asked me how many beers I had. And I told him something like six or seven. He goes, no, he didn't. He had 20 or whatever the number was. He said, you had this. <laughs> and I thought, you got to be kidding me. Then he looked at Peckerhead and he goes, how about you? <laughs> And Peter said something. And then he goes, of course, no, he lied. of course he did. And then he, <laughs> then he, then Burns, he asked him, um, how many, how many cigarettes you smoked last night? And Peter, Peter said, Oh, just a couple or so. He goes, he goes, bullshit. And you bought two packs of DeMauriers, I think is what he said. And we were both kind of looking at each other. So anyway, you just knew that, that he treated, he just, he did those things to let you know that he knows. And, and, but then there's one time he called me and he goes, he asked me what time I got in. It was a day after the game and we had a game the next night. And he just, I just wanted to let you know, I thought you had a really good game tonight. I said, Oh, thanks coach. And he goes, what time did you get in? And I knew not to lie. And I told him and he goes, all I can tell you is go do it again tonight. Cause you played a great game. And, and you know, it was that kind of, and I didn't, you know, I'm like, Oh shit. So, um, the worst, well, <laughs> do we have to say who it, yeah, I, I want to know, you, but come on. <laughs> Well, we've heard, do? I mean, you've, you've, they're going to come back you've and get said you? it forever. So I, I just think that <clears throat> putting head and what well, we can leave it at that, but, yeah. but doesn't that just show you yeah. that, you know, good coaches manage their players and manage their teams and they know when to let them say when I think they knew that. I think when you have a team like Montreal with Bob and Larry and flower and, you know, all these guys in the room that the leadership. Yeah, that's what they had. And that's what we all learned. And it's, yeah. I, I don't know how many times I've told the story or, or tell the thing about, you know, what's up on the wall. And, and, and it really is. Yeah. I didn't understand it at the time. Larry actually sat me down as I, and before, you know, he was done in Dallas or in Montreal and explained it, you know, we get to a certain point down the road and now, now it's your time. It's your time to start giving back to the players on this team. And, you know, and, and it made sense because I remember just speaking of Larry Rob, I remember, you know, the whole, what was the, the big shave them song and all that, whatever that you guys would sing before, you know, after practice, you're like, nah, 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 whatever that song was. You're like, uh Oh, here it comes. I heard about getting shaved. And I was, I was very lucky. Yeah. Like, I think, I think what happened is I yeah. got half of my mustache, which I don't think you could call it a mustache at the time, got it shaved off and I had paint and uh, you know, some of that stuff. Larry Robinson came yeah. in into the shower just, and it doesn't sound, it hmm. probably sounds worse than what it is, but, <laughs> but, but he came in and helped me clean up. Like that's Larry Robinson, right. you know, just a young kid. Yeah. He doesn't know me that much. And so, um, but anyway, when you, the bar of soap, and yeah. Your yeah. Ass yeah. And <clears throat> he dried wash me off your balls for you. Uh, yeah. I, I knew that, that probably shouldn't have went down that road. <laughs> you knew you shouldn't have went um, there. But anyway, it's, um, 
but th- but that's that's what that all means. And and to me, when I when I go down, I look back and I, I just there's so many. And Ken Hitchcock was another guy that I loved here in Dallas. I know players had a had a hard time with Hitch at times, but but what Hitch did is he treated everybody the same. And if you're going to give me shit about my play and you're going to let it go with guys like Neuendijk, Madonna, Hully, whatever, you know how we all feel like, wait a minute now, <clears throat> you know, I'm out here busting my ass every night. Uh, and then, but Hitch was, I, I love Hitch and, and, you know, Hitch had actually, we talked quite a bit. <clears throat> um, he about two years ago, well, no, it was when he was coaching St. Louis. Hitch said, listen, I need you to write me a paper. I'm like what? And he goes, I said, I even asked him, I said, Hitch, you know who you called? And, and he goes, no, no, no. He goes, seriously, I need you to write me a paper. He says, I'm having a hard time relating to some of the players here. And it was, you know, it was where we're getting into, you know, that different generation of player. And so I respect things like that, you know, trying to, to understand because he said, how did you handle me? Cause I was the guy every day in the office, every single morning in the office. I remember one time we're, we're getting way off topic. I'm sure <clears throat> I had Eddie bell for So Eddie was our goalie and everybody knows Eddie, a competitor, we're, we're doing a, we're doing a morning skate. And, and all of a sudden I hear Hitch yell my name and I'm not paying attention like normal. And he goes, I go, what's up? He goes, what the fuck's Belfort doing down there? And I, I looked down to the other end of the ice. Eddie's out of the warm up part of it. We just got started and he's in the corner stretching. I said, I have no idea. Hitch we'll go down now. The, everything stopped. So he goes, go down there and find out. So I skate down to the other end of the rink and I lean over, I'm bending over my stick and I Eddie, what are you doing? He looked up at me and he goes, this drill sucks. And I, and I said, huh? He goes, I ain't doing this drill. This ain't no warm up drill. I said, okay. So I skate down to the other end of the rink again. I said, Hitch, Eddie said, this drill sucks. He goes, you go tell that fucking Belfour to get back in the net. I skate all the way down to the other end of the rink. And I tell Eddie, he goes, I'm not getting back in the net. I skate all the way back down. Now everybody's kind of laughing and their sticks are tapping. I said, Hitch, we don't really care. Just change the drill for the guy. He's won like 12 in a row for us. W- what's the difference if we change the drill? But that's what I liked about Hitch is like, you know, and Eddie, him and Eddie had a couple battles and they worked it out. Now Eddie will tell you he loves Hitch. Um, so I, I put Hitchcock up there as far as coaches and, you know, I, Nux, I was never a guy that could complain about coaches. Uh, you know, I know, I know. You just did your job, and you, you were there every night. You showed up. But I, I guess what I'm trying to get at, putting head, we got – he wasn't there. Let me put it this way, so Nux. Bob Ganey, Bob Ganey is my Scotty Bowman. Uh, that's the best way I can put it. Yeah. When Bob speaks, I yeah. listen. And, and I had yeah. the opportunity to be with him as a player, and then – yeah, that's what yeah. I was going to ask you. You played with Bob, and then all of a sudden he's the coach. How, how did he treat you he, differently? He didn't. Did he? He, he didn't. He treated me, the, but he, yeah. but he he was he was he was to the you know Bob. He's he's right to the point. And mm. there was when yeah. I when we were I was probably a rookie, and we were coming. We had played to go back, and he he kind of tapped me on the shoulder. We were on some little tiny plane. Maybe we were coming back from I don't know when wherever it was. But and he grabbed a couple beers, and he says, "Come on back." And I sat down next to him. And he gave me a, a napkin and a pen. And he asked me about our penalty killing. And I'm thinking, really? Like, why are you asking me about our penalty killing? And you know how Bob is. And I, I thought, okay, he's serious. And I just kind of drew something. I said something. And then he looked at it. He looks at me. He looks at it again. He looks at me. He doesn't say shit. And now you're starting to fidget in your seat. Yeah. You're like, oh, shit. I got the Montreal Canadiens captain here, Bob Ganey. And, and then he goes, no. That's not it. I'm like, okay. But that was what he was. He was to the point he tested you and that was the way he taught. And it was the same thing when he coached, he would, he'd bring you in in a calm voice and he would talk to you. And it was matter of fact. And, um, and then when he became a GM, cause I remember when we had different GMs and then other GMs after Bob, you would walk upstairs uh, for us. We'd walk up the steps. And if Bob wanted to talk to you, You'd be ringing wet by, at least I was, I was ringing wet by the time I got there thinking, yeah. what did I do? What now were other GMs uh, that I've been you know, around and, you know, you could go up there and throw your feet up on the desk and go, Hey, Emery, what's going on? And, and so I just look yeah. at Bo as a guy that was always, always teaching. And I just, you know, at Zuby's thing, he was here and you know how he gets, he kind of corners you and then he starts talking yeah. and, and, but he's always teaching. He Nux, do you think there's anybody else? that could actually go through what Bob has had to go through family wise and still uh, be like, just uh, put together, you know, and, and like, he's consistent. such a strong guy yeah. and he's, he's, he's on this planet. He lost it a little bit there, obviously, but for someone that the strength and the backbone and the uh, fortitude that he yep. has in first losing his wife, Kathy, but wonderful woman, brain tumor. 
And then to lose mm-hmm. his daughter like he did, how devastating. Yep. And I spent some time with him here in Montreal uh, after uh, the loss of his daughter. And I got to tell you, um, you know, uh, God, it was such an emotional time. Uh, we were up his uh, condo one evening and, you know, we were having a few. And um, God, it was so yeah, goddamn yeah. painful. I don't know how the hell he I, went I don't on. either. I, I really didn't. I'm sure but, you've never told but the, no one did, bought, did you ever right? tell the story about uh, when I think we were sitting in a hotel bar in Washington and uh, Puddinghead came in, sat down at a different booth and... We were, I think it was you that said, fuck them. We're all just staying here. And next thing we know, we turn around and look and yeah. I just saw these shoes crawling out behind the bar and our, that was in <laughs> was Vancouver. That was? <laughs> yeah. And remember me and Cabo got benched. We couldn't play because we we're roommates. Here's what happened. He called the curfew like an idiot that he is. And then, um, we end up, um, we end up. Uh, missing curfew and and he can't yeah he had come in and we just sat there and anyway bob snuck out chelly they checked chelly's room and the next day chelly was going to get benched but he had called down the desk and said can you tell them you changed my room last night when i come in and you put me in another room because my room smelled like smoke so he beat the rap and bob yep. crawled out you <laughs> <No>. know <laughs> But uh, and me and Cabo ended up uh, getting benched, right? Well, how come cool, I didn't get I benched? Was I was pissed. there watching. I, I was there know, sitting I, there because I, I remember you I, saying, "Fuck this guy, we're sitting right here," and he, he just sat in a booth about <laughs> yeah. thirty feet away and stared oh, at us. That's awesome. Hey, I did that. Listen to this one, John Leclerc. When I got traded, I came back to Montreal. Pat Burns was there. We're at the Chez Paris. We're all sitting there. And John got called up, John Leclerc, and just a young farmer boy and uh we're at shea all on the couch and we're drinking and who comes walking in this is in the afternoon after practice pat burns he comes walking in he looks in and john leclerc goes fuck i gotta get out of here nuts i got i said sit right there don't you fucking make a move you leave now he's gonna say that kid's a pussy right so he said really i'm there stay right there believe me so he stayed he got sent down the next day <laughs> He tells a story, but, but still like he was getting sent down either way. So I'm like, you know what? Just sit, you know, you walk out now you're really going to look like a pussy. He's going to send you down anyway. Just sit here. But John to this day thinks that he got sent down because he didn't get up and leave. So, um, what would you say in stuff. your paper? That, Cause you made a good point. Like the different, big difference today is like the, the coaches now you got to like coddle the players. Now I feel like, I mean, Nux can get past the fucking iPads, let alone, you know, oh, the fucking but like, iPads. yeah, what'd There's, you say in that paper? Well, you can you know, I mean, you, what are, how old are you? 39, 40, 40 39. 40? Yeah. Yeah. My, my, yeah. my twins are 36. And so, you, you know, you guys are in the same thing and I would never, yeah. <clears throat> I had a, we came in and, and ran a, uh, I guess it was in the East Coast League, the Allen Americans here for a year. My buddy owned it. And anyway, um, in Belfour, Madonna, Matt Fachuk, I hired Steve Martinson to come and be our coach. And and that was probably – it started when I was in Kalamazoo. And, and, I, I, and again, we're going back years for that. So it's not like it just happened. It's just been – it's been evolving – and I, I couldn't understand how I couldn't get to him. And I was trying to show him how we play in the neutral zone and, you know, in our zone and things like that. And what I, what I had to do is I had to call our, um, I was sitting there that night. I went to a bar and I was watching Dallas was playing Colorado on TV. And, and I called our video guy, Leon. I said, Hey, give me about 10 minutes. I cl- clip something off and, and get it to me. However you can. I got it. I chopped it up into a five minute thing. And I went and I showed it to the players and I said, this is what I'm talking about. Like, and I said, watch this, watch this. Got on the ice and there was about four guys that came around and said, coach, got it now. And at that time, I'm thinking they're just more visual than because it, and you know how it used to be where, because I I've had it with our U18 team and we, we, you know, we got an elite triple eight team and we got pretty good players and, um, but you'll tell them, okay, I want the left winger to go here. Center are doing this and they're doing that. And there's always a couple guys that are hanging around the boards and they, and you're like, what are you doing? Like, did you not understand? Yeah. But I want to know, why do you want me to go there? Well, cause that's where I told you to go because that's going to be our breakout. And that's where, <laughs> yeah, but why? They want to know why. And, and so they just need more yep. information. And so you ultimately have to find a way to, to incorporate when you're doing a drill or you're talking about how you're going to play against a certain team, you have to tell them why, because this is what they're looking like. If we go over here, they're going to expose <laughs> us here. And, and so, and you can't, 
there is no more putting a foot in anybody's ass. That I mean, yeah. I think I think that's part of coaching, though. I think that you will find the players. We talk it a lot, Maddie, Matt for Chuck and Hatch and I. You know, you can you could do that to us. Like there was an example I, I used it. In fact, I told Hitch this while we were playing. He was giving Zuby shit, and it was about going cross ice through the ice. And one one particular play got it got intercepted, and it went the other way. And I said at the time, I said Hitch. I said, that's why Wilson's got me playing with him. I said, for the 10 times he tries these things, nine of them work. The one that doesn't, that's on me then. Then I have to be able to buy time and play a two-on-one and and blah, blah, blah. And and so, and I said, what you have to know about Zuby is you can't, or all of us, you can't push the same button with every player because it doesn't work. And so you have to find the way that you motivate or get your message across to them. And you have to know their personalities. And, you know, there was something I... I had um, told our guys before we played at national, our team went to nationals this year. And I told them, I said, you know, there, there's uh, scouts are coming from all over the country with this stuff. And they don't, in today's day, they're not really, I mean, yes, they want you to be a good player, but they want to know what you're like as a person. They want to know what you're like off the ice. What do you do? What are your grades? And you would think that's a college thing, but they want to know you as people. And about a week later, uh, one of the scouts said, put something or no one of the reporters had put out about the NHL combine and there was a a sheet that one of the reporters got and it talked about exactly that about this is what they want it they want to know this about you and this about you and and the hockey comes like fourth and and so that that's kind of the stuff that that I would talk to Hitch about and I asked him at the time I said hey is is how so-and-so and he goes that's part of the problem I said okay and and he just wanted to know how did you come in and talk to me and I said for I said with you it was negotiating. And, and I just said, Hitch, do you remember when I'd come in and I'd, I'd ask you, <laughs> a lot of times it was Carbo, or not Carbo, <clears throat> it was Holly, but it was just typical. But there were other guys that agreed with it. And and next, you know, we had Mike Keen in there and Carbo. And so we had some strong guys that knew what the hell they were doing. But I would go in there and say, listen, can we just try this? Can we try to play this way? Five games. Just give us five games. If not, we're going back to your way. And I knew he'd never take five games, but we would negotiate. So we, he goes, Leds, I'll tell you what. We'll give you three games. And I said, oh, awesome. And we get the game one. I go in and I tell the guys, hey, we got three games to show it. We got, you want to play this way? You want to open this up? You want to do that? Let's do that. We'll try this. And they're going to let us do it. And the very first game, I mean, it's the first period. Oh, we're not playing. And I just turn around and I look at him. I said, Hitch, three games, three games. And so you just have to remind him. And he was, you know, yeah, I told you that. And we do that. Naturally, after the third game, we were going right back to his way. But, but at least we proved to him that we can, we can think for ourselves and we can, you know, play this way. And I think that's part of being a good coach. Now, you know, I watched Gerard Gallant and I, I don't, I mean, I know Gerard to talk to him. I don't know him as a coach. Uh, Yeah. And I just think that I think you hear it all the time. Like the players love to play for him, but that's a guy that played for a long time. And he was, he was a blue collar player. I think coaches that are blue collar players and any player knows about your history. Some reason there's instant respect immediately that you played a certain way. And then you got to earn exactly. the rest. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I think that's why, yeah. I mean, how many, we've seen Gretz, you know, go on the bench and, I, and Mo has talked about it. Madonna, I mean, there's other guys, but these are special people to me. They're special people that had special careers. They have special talents. They didn't have to work. I had this conversation with Rick Wilson one time too, after optionals, optional, optional, mandatory optional. Like, and I said something and, and, I'm, mm-hmm. and he came back and I know Wils well, and he came back and he goes, come on up and talk to me. And I went, well, he well, yeah, <clears throat> mandatory option. Like they all got optionals. You don't. You four guys come in and skate tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And I just said, Wills, I said, sometimes I don't think you guys understand that we have to work harder to stay in the lineup than these guys. I said, yeah, maybe they they are the reason that we win things, but you don't do it without us. But I said, just once in a while, we would just like the benefit to say, hey, you got the option. And and to Rick's credit, we landed and he said to me, you got the option tomorrow. And I said, thanks. And I went in and I skated and it wasn't about any of that. I just want you to understand like Nux, you know, I mean, you, you fight every night. Yeah. You need a fucking break. <laughs> sometimes. Exactly. Right. Right. Like you we, need- we, it's, it's harder <laughs> yeah. on the average NHL guy to stay in the lineup and play and fight for your ice time than it is for, for Kucherov and headmen. And these guys are going to get the ice time, you know, and, and they deserve the time off, but man, you just watch. And that's why I would, I would think that I look at a guy like Craig Berube and and have an otter there and Monty there, you know, and his coaching staff. I, I just look at that group and I'm like, 
those guys all played hard games and they get it. And I'd be willing to bet that those players would go through the wall um, for them. And I think having Doug Armstrong as a general manager there, um, being with Bob Ganey yeah, and all that, good. I look at Army being uh-huh. one of the best in the league. I, I really do. And I talked to Army yeah. enough and, and I, I respect his opinion so much. Uh, and, I, and where a lot of it comes from, working with Bob Ganey. You know, it all trickles down, and, yeah, and I think he sure. took a lot from what, yeah, good mentor, he and what what he did. And this is no where question. I have a, I get I, I get pissed off sometimes, and it, sometimes it hits close to home. I'm like, you know, some of these general managers, they think that they have all the answers, and I'll tell you the guys that have the answers, the guy like Doug Armstrong, because watch who, look at who he surrounds himself with, and he's got Dave Taylor there, he's got Al McInnes there, he had Larry there, he had Brodeur there, you know, he's got. He's got a voice. He's got people around him and behind him. Bob Ganey told me years ago, we're back to Bo again, is um, he said, if you ever get in this business and you ever want to be this and that, he goes, just surround yourself with some good people. And so when I had that thing going on at Allen American, my buddy, the first thing I did is I brought in Eddie as our goalie coach, brought Matt Matt Fachuk in, and Madonna was a figurehead just to bring credibility, blah, blah, blah. But and And it turned out well for us. We won the championship that first year. But, you know, that's what I look at. And I think when you see some of these general managers and you have these teams that are kind of like that, just look at who they're surrounded by and who are the people that they're talking to every day. And maybe that has something to do with it or not. I don't know. Well, Ludzi, speaking of championships and you winning two Stanley Cups, one in Montreal, one in Dallas. Now, which is... I, I guess your favorite. I mean, they both probably certainly have meaning yeah. to you, but which was your favorite one and how were they different? And then two retiring after winning that Stanley cup playing 82 games. And then every playoff game, what the hell was that? Well, I looked at Jordan and Elway. They both did it and they had parades and all this shit for them. And I went out and nothing. So I, well, couldn't you, you want to play another you eight like years play? like Shelly? <laughs> Were exactly. you fed up? No, I'll tell you what. Were you like I, I fed looked up? at it as I was on borrowed time. I was I was healthy and everything else. Um, I was going to, honestly, I was going to quit the year before. You never I, got hurt. Like, you were hardly I, ever I know, hurt. but I, mean, I you, was, you, but I wasn't. Every year, over 70 yeah. games. <clears throat> I, I was done the year before. I was quitting. My my ex, Pam, Pam talked me into staying that last year. She's the one that... I said, no, you can play again. You can play a couple more years. And, and then when it, when it happened, I thought, you know what, this, this is the right time. And, you know, you go out that way. Um, and I, I knew I was, you know, again, I'd never play in today's game, but I could feel that I, you know, I was losing a step here and there and I didn't want to, and my kids were, you know, I had my kids young and I'm like, man, I, I don't need them getting shit from, you know, how they can, oh, Jesus, your dad, you know, I didn't want them going through that. Um, you know, and, and it's, <laughs> but you know what? Look at them. Goofy. Cut the cord. <laughs> but, yeah. but it worked out okay for me because you know, the, the coaching, the, the minor thing, they brought me back to Dallas. They let Hitch go. I went on the bench with Wills, you know, with the NHL club. And then I, and I, you know, we went, I went to Salt Lake city with our minor league team. And then by luck, the TV thing happened. And so I've been able to stay in hockey, uh, not, not necessarily all the time in the NHL stuff, but, um, I like working with the kids. Um, but to answer your question, I, I don't think you ever forget your first one. I mean, if you ever, I mean, it, it's for me, I feel disappointed. I'm, I'm disappointed that some of the greatest players never had the chance to win one. And, and you know, I, I, right? I don't know why. And I, I, I hit Marcel Dion one time when we played in LA from behind and, you know, he wasn't that big anyways. And I, I remember seeing him at the, at the, whatever the club was upstairs after. And he had this, the yeah, he had this, flat, big, the, the little yeah, he had this big gash over his eye. And I always felt bad that I did that. And he was never bitter about it. And, and it's not like we're friends. We just talked about one time, but I, I, I feel bad that that guy never got to win a cup. Um, so I just right. look at it that. I was in, you know, I was in the right place at the right time. And I think there's so many great athletes, regardless of their sport, that they have to be in the right place at the right time. I mean, you got to be able to fit into the system, to the coaches, to, you know, all these different scenarios. I was in the right place at the right time. And I'll never forget that one in Montreal. Um, and I never knew how important it was. And what's what's really crazy is you can go back to Montreal. I'd go back there and play in that PIF tournament in Sherbrooke, the softball thing. And you could be walking downtown 10 years yeah. later and everybody knows who you are. You know, even <laughs> kids that are like younger. Yeah. And it's, it's, crazy. Like, it's crazy. And and I'm not on TV or yeah. nothing there. So I, I, I really respect mm-hmm. that. And, and it's awesome. But But I have to say that I went 13 years in between. And then to be able to get that last yeah. one, you know, we lost that one. It's funny. The one thing I do regret, I won two national championships in college, 
both on the road, won two nationals you know, or titles, I should say, in, in NHL, both on the road, both played on in one road. championship Stanley Cup at home and lost to Calgary, that one. So oh, yeah. I never had the opportunity because right. I, I watch teams now, you know, you see them win and I'm, I'm thinking, man, you guys, you have no idea how lucky you actually are to win it at home with your fans there. You don't have to travel and all that other kind of stuff. Win a period. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, period, and again, so I, I, I do look at, at, at the, I look at them differently. You know, I'm, I'm here in Dallas and it kind of is a little bit like Montreal. A lot of people know who you are. And so when you're doing things and, you know, you go out and next thing you know, there's a Miller Lite sitting next to you. And I always, I always appreciate that when somebody's throwing one of them at you. Or a Dallas Cowboy. Yeah, not a, you know, that, that's the thing is I'm here. Okay. When I go to Wisconsin, I'll put a Dallas Cowboy shirt on. And when I'm here, I wear my Packer stuff just to piss people off. I'd wear, I'd wear Green Bay Packer ties on the, on the set when we were doing the Fox stuff and just to piss people off. And I let the guys come out, you know, there would be a game that night or that day or whatever. And I'd let the guy from the camera guy, when Green Bay would lose, he could come on the air and he could cut my Green Bay Packer tie in half and things like that. And yeah, I think it was, it was more for viewers to tune in and see, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. So, well, Luds, I'm telling you, you did, and you were certainly uh, a great, great addition to our team we needed a guy like you in the back end sacrifice himself block shots uh were tough uh, the awesome teammate and and you said it you you don't not much bothers you you don't care about much and you came across like that but when you played the game you sure as hell I, you know what so, i cared about next to be honest you, with you, you know, i I care. I, uh, the thing that I cared the most about is not letting you guys down. You know, I mean, just what, you know, in your position, like, don't, don't, don't do didn't. something that, cause I'll never, <laughs> we could always end with Peppy. You brought up Peppy, not me. I remember that. Peppy. Pudding head, Barry, you asked it. Who's pudding not, head? Not, not pudding. Uh, no, 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 Peppy. Peppy. Oh, remember, the oh, Philly, yeah, yeah. remember the Philly thing? Pissing in the sun. No, sauna. remember the Philly thing? <laughs> the, the, the brawl with Philly, obviously we've seen it numerous times and Peppy's the one that wanted to shoot the puck in the net and all this other kind of stuff oh, at the yeah, end. And yeah. all of a sudden, Eddie Palchuk yeah. comes right. We were all sitting in the locker room. Some guys had their skates off, you know, undressed. Dang. And Eddie Palchuk came running back in. He goes, there's a fight. There's a fight. And somebody said, and guys kind of stood fight. up and they said, who is it? And they Hurry said, up. it's Peppy. And everybody sat down <laughs> and, the, and, it, and it was kind of <laughs> like somebody said, man, we got to go out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. poor Peppy. Yeah. yeah. We had Pepe on a couple of weeks back, and he was yeah. awesome. It was yeah. good. Pep Lemieux, another great teammate. So good stuff. Hey, Lutz, thanks, man, for taking the time. Been awesome. Uh, great to see you, and I appreciate your time. You've been more than, more than generous. Yeah, Lutz, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, you guys.